Good morning and uh, happy third Sunday in Lent to you all. I know we don't often associate happiness with the season of Lent. It's often a lot of sad songs, a lot of sad words. Uh, But so long as we are gathered here and and God's word is here and God's gifts are here and and along with that God's people are here, uh, we also have the promise that God himself is here in this place with us. And so uh, that, I believe, even during the season of Lent is a cause uh, for joy and for celebration. Uh, We are continuing on this morning uh, in a series that that is called The Art of of Living by Faith. And and as I was thinking about this series, I, I... uh, Lewis's answer to where is faith really, really kind of struck me. Uh, Lewis said, faith is, is in your body. Um, and, and I love that, that idea because oftentimes we, we maybe wrongly associate faith in the heart as with faith just sort of being a feeling. Uh, or, or faith in the head is just sort of faith is, is just right thinking. Uh, but I like that idea of faith in the body. Faith is the entire orientation of, of our lives and, and our actions and everything that we are, heart, soul, mind, strength, all of it oriented around who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And, and so as we think about living by faith, we're talking about uh, faith that consumes our entire person. And as we continue on in this series this morning, we're going to be taking a look at our gospel lesson Uh, from Mark chapter 10. And so it may be helpful for you to either uh, just pull out that reading in your bulletin or or grab your pew Bible and uh, and follow along with us there. But before we get to that, uh, before we get to that reading, uh, I just want to, as I took a look at this reading for this morning, um, I was reminded that there is something um, about uh, or something in life that I personally have never actually experienced. Um, and, and it's something that I expect many of you have experienced. Many of you do experience on, on a daily basis. Um, in fact, I can tell right now there are many people, as I'm looking, uh, looking out at you, many people experiencing this thing right now as, we've, as we speak. Um, in fact, I read earlier this week that roughly 60 to 75% of adults experience this thing on a daily basis. In fact, every single member of my family experiences this. For some reason, I do not. I'd like to think that perhaps it's because God loves me more than most. Uh, (laughs) But I know that's not true. Uh, Because I I hope to actually never experience this. And that is that I have never worn glasses. Ever. Uh, I've never worn glasses, never worn contacts, any sort of of corrective lens, and, and I'm not banking on that lasting forever. I know uh, time and age may get the best of me on that one. <clears throat> but for now, I can, I can see perfectly clearly uh, without looking uh, through any sort of corrective lens. In fact, uh, my vision has been tested uh, at better than 2020. It's been tested as good as 2015, and, and I'm very thankful for that gift and, and plan to cherish it as long as it lasts. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Boasting in the wrong thing. This is true. But, but the fact of the matter is, is whether or not you use any sort of corrective lens of any type, I, I do believe uh, that one thing we do all share is that we do tend to look at the world through different lenses. Uh, we all have different lenses through which we look at and, and perceive and, and experience the world around us. 
I mean, even just think of, of your five senses. These are really essentially lenses through which we experience the world. And, and think about your language. Anytime you're experiencing the world through your senses of, of, <coughs> of sight and taste and, and touch and the like, immediately what we're doing is we, we essentially translate that experience into language. And, and that's just part of, of being a human being is, is we sense the world and experience it through these different lenses. And, and I think actually this is, this is really required of us. These lenses that we have, like our, our senses and our language and, and our belief systems, they're, they're necessary for, for understanding our experiences in life. <coughs> and the fact of the matter is, we, we can tell very clearly that oftentimes the lens that we use to see the world around us can, can actually change very drastically what we see. For example, compare the lens that a poet uses to perceive the world with the lens that, that a biologist uses to perceive the world. That they often come to very, very different conclusions uh, about nature, uh, about life. And it's not that one is necessarily right or wrong. They're just different and they have different usefulness. I mean, you're not going to look to the poet for a cure for cancer (coughs) or a cure for this cough. You're also probably not going to look to a biologist to tell you why a sunrise or a sunset is beautiful. You may look to... The biologist, and you may look to science to to tell you why someone or something dies, but you're going to look to the poet to tell you why it hurts so much. See, sometimes what is maybe more important than answering the question, what do you see, is answering the question, how do you see what you see? And, And I think that's a particularly important for question for us as Christians, that we need to ask. We need to ask ourselves constantly, how do we see? How do we see the world around us? What tools has God given us to see and perceive and understand the world that we live in? And and I think that's precisely one of the things that this text that we come across in Matthew chapter 10 answers for us. Uh, This account from Mark's gospel uh, of this healing of, of blind Bartimaeus It comes actually right before Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So right before the instance in Scripture that we celebrate on Palm Sunday, we have this healing. It's really the last of Jesus' healings in the Gospel of Mark. And I think it becomes for us really sort of this central understanding for for the purpose of miracles in Scripture, uh, for for the role of of these signs and wonders that Jesus does. And so I'm going to pick up this text where we, where we picked it up this morning in our gospel lesson. Matthew chapter 10, beginning at verse 46. Mark writes, And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So here we have Jesus, and, and he's, 
he enters into Jericho. And he must not stay there very long because he he doesn't really do a whole lot there, at least according to Mark's gospel. He enters Jericho and then he leaves Jericho and he's on his way to Jerusalem. On his way to the the holy city of Jerusalem. And we're told that, that his 12 disciples are right there along with him. Along with this great crowd. Presumably much of this great crowd would be the same crowd that hails him as as the Messiah and son of David as he enters into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. (coughs) Presumably this is many of the same people who witnessed his miracles, who witnesses all of his signs and wonders throughout his ministry. This great crowd has has followed him and, and they're hailing Jesus as the Messiah. They're looking to Jesus to to enter into Jerusalem and essentially start his political campaign. To to essentially start this this messianic revolution where he will go in and and overthrow the Roman leaders and, and rightfully take his place on the throne of David and rule there over Israel from the city of David, from Jerusalem, that holy city. And so they're walking with Jesus into Jerusalem, ready for him to begin this revolution. And they come across this blind beggar named Bartimaeus. And this Bartimaeus, he hears who it is that's coming. Obviously, because he is blind, he cannot see it's Jesus. But he hears who it is. He hears that it's Jesus of Nazareth. (coughs) The same Jesus that that he's heard has done all these great signs and wonders. The same Jesus who opens deaf ears and and makes the mute speak and makes the lame walk again. The same Jesus who who drives out unclean spirits, whose teaching has confounded the Jewish leaders. The same Jesus that he's heard just might be the Christ who is to come. And so when he hears that it's Jesus coming, he can't help but stand up and simply shout, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. <coughs> now the crowd, they, they hear this man cry out. And, and they just tell him to, to be quiet. That, that Jesus' time of, of healing blind beggars is, is over. He has more important things to do now. He, he's got to start this revolution. But, but Bartimaeus doesn't care. He hears this crowd and he just keeps shouting, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now you see what Mark is doing here is he is sort of creating this sense of of dramatic irony as he juxtaposes this crowd that has witnessed Jesus' miracles with this blind man, Bartimaeus. You see, as you look back on, on Mark's account of the life of Jesus, one thing that we see happen again and again as Jesus does these great signs and wonders is almost every single time Jesus does a miracle, he tells us that a great crowd had gathered around him. So time and time again, time and time again, these great crowds have been witnessing Jesus with their eyes. But here in this text, here in this account, who is it that truly sees Jesus? That truly sees Jesus For who he is. It's not the crowd that witnesses him with their eyes. It is the blind man who truly sees Jesus. And the reason that he sees Jesus and the crowd doesn't is because he believes. 
And by juxtaposing this crowd with this blind man, Mark is saying something very important for us. That it is not those who see who believe. Rather, it is those who believe who truly see. It is those who believe in Jesus, those who place their trust in Him who truly see Him. I I cannot stress this point enough. Bartimaeus, this blind man, he does not believe in Jesus because he's going to get a miracle. Rather, Bartimaeus sees Jesus because he believes in Jesus. This is an extremely important point for how we see and how we understand miracles, not only in Mark's gospel, but throughout Scripture. That it is not witnessing miracles that creates faith. Rather, it is faith that helps us to truly see the miracles. It is the Word of God that creates faith. It is the testimony of Jesus that creates faith. Miracles are often present to confirm this Word, but they do not create faith. It's the Word of God that creates faith in the heart. Seeing is not believing. Rather, believing is truly seeing. I think it's really important for us to to keep that straight because I think we have a tendency as human beings to get that backwards. That we often insist that seeing comes before believing. Right? Maybe you've heard it said, or, or maybe at times we've even said this ourselves, that if God would just give me a sign, well, then I would, I would believe. Then I would have a much easier time believing. Or, or if God give me, would just give me a sign, then I would be able to follow him without question. And what we're saying is, is I want to see before I can believe. Or, or maybe you, you've heard this one. How could a good and loving God, who is all-powerful, allow such great evil and suffering to exist in our world? And, and I think the statement behind that question is really, I want to see evidence of a good and loving God before my eyes, before I could ever believe in him. I want to see before I can believe. And, and, and I'll be honest, that, that this question, how, how could this good and loving God allow such suffering to exist, that, that can often be a difficult for us. That can be a difficult question for us to answer. Because oftentimes we, we look around and we see the world that we live in, and it doesn't look like there's a lot of goodness, does there? There's a great deal of suffering and, and poverty and pain in our world. And, and oftentimes I can even ask the question, I was like, God, why don't you just... Fix this. But seeing doesn't cause believing. It's believing that allows us to see. You see, as long as we live in a world that is marred by sin and evil, there's going to be plenty of reasons that we can look out and and, and see and, and use it as reasons to not believe. That we're going to see sin and evil win the day a lot. We're going to see things like poverty and warfare. And we're going to see things like the powerful oppressing and harming the weak and the hurting. And there's plenty of reasons to look out and not believe. And if our faith is simply founded on this evidence that we see, then it may very well crumble. 
And, and if our faith is solely rooted in evidence that we see, is our faith really in God or is it in the evidence? You see, I think what happens is we often get it backwards and, and doubt and unbelief, they enter in when we get this backwards, when we demand that seeing comes before believing. But we see very clearly here in this story that it is not seeing that allows us to believe, it's belief that allows us to see. It is this lens of faith that allows us to look into the world and actually see that there really is evidence of this good and loving God. It's through the lens of faith that we can rightly see who Jesus is and put our trust in Him. It's our faith that allows us to see in the midst of the darkness of sin and evil. Reminds me of these words of the Danish theologian and philosopher by the name of Soren Kierkegaard who once said, faith sees best in the dark. In a world that, that is just ruined and darkened by sin and evil, it is actually our faith that allows us to see. It is our faith that allows us to keep moving forward in the midst of sin and darkness, in the midst of suffering and pain. Faith allows us to see. And really, this ought not surprise us, because after all, we have a faith that was born in darkness. Our faith is rooted in a moment in history when darkness wins the day. When when sin and evil overcomes the one good thing to ever live and walk this earth. Our faith is rooted in a man who willingly submits himself to sin and evil, who willingly is overwhelmed by the darkness so that he could be the light of our salvation, so that he could be the one place where we can look to for peace and security and salvation. It's in Jesus and and his submission to the cross that our God actually brings about his forgiveness and his reconciliation. We look to the cross, we look to a place of hurt and darkness to see the evidence of God's goodness. And it's faith that allows us to see the cross as the place where we look to and see the sure sign that Jesus truly is the Son of God who has come into the world to redeem us and set us free. It's not seeing that allows us to believe, it's believing that allows us to see. And we see Jesus confirm this faith in Bartimaeus. As he hears Bartimaeus shouting and crying out, Have mercy on me. He stops. Verse 49, we read, Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, he said, teacher, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said, go your way, your faith has made you well. I find it interesting that those words, your faith has made you well, could also be translated, go your way, your faith has saved you. Jesus hears the cry of Bartimaeus and in his response to Bartimaeus, what he confirms is that Bartimaeus, even though he is blind, already sees because he has faith. 
He sees more clearly than this great crowd around him. The great crowd that witnesses his miracles, they don't see Jesus. They don't see at all. They're the ones who are truly blind. Rather, it's the blind man who truly sees because he believes. Church, we should be reminded by this that we do not see when we have everything all together. We do not see when, when everything is going our way, when, when we feel like we have everything under control. We see most clearly when we put our trust in Jesus. We see most clearly when we recognize our blindness and allow him to see for us. We see most clearly when we entrust our entire lives to his good and faithful hands that were stretched out on a cross for us. That is when we see most clearly. It is not when we manipulate and control and try to maintain everything and keep the status quo and maintain comfortability. We see most clearly when we say, God, I do not have it under control. I confess to you that my life is a mess and I can't fix it. And we hand it over to his good and gracious will. I mean, isn't that precisely what we do in prayer? When we come before God in prayer, when, when you do it on your own, or, or when we do it in a moment together as, as God's people, are we simply handing things over to God only insofar as we get the answers that we want? Are we handing things over to God saying, God, I'm going to give you this, but, it, but if you're not going to handle it my way, then, then I'll take it back. I hope not. I probably do that from time to time. No, what we do in prayer is, is we're saying, Father, I, I give this to you. I give my entire mess of a life to you. And, and I believe that you will hear my prayer. And I believe that because you are good and gracious and because you have shown that to me in Jesus, I believe that you will hear the desires of my heart. And I believe that you will answer my prayer. And even if you don't answer the way that I hope, I trust that you are going to work everything for my good. You see, in prayer, what we do is we are reorienting our vision around the word of God and his promises to us. Entrusting our lives to him. Trusting that it's better off in his hands than in mine. Prayer reminds us that it's Believing that allows us to see. It's by faith that we truly see. First we believe, then we see. And once we see, we are called to live out of that life of faith. Listen and and, and hear how how Bartimaeus responds to Jesus' words here. I'm going to read 52 again. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Jesus gives Bartimaeus permission to just go your way. But that way for Bartimaeus, suddenly now, because of his faith, is to go the way of Jesus. Now certainly Mark is is referring to, to that very literal path toward Jerusalem. But if you remember in the book of Acts... Before the church is first called Christians, we hear, them, we hear Christians referred to as followers of the way. 
that here for Bartimaeus to follow Jesus is, is to go this way of discipleship, to follow Jesus with his entire life, to go with him to Jerusalem, even when he doesn't know what that way is going to lead to. That, that is the call that we have. We, by faith, we see. First we believe, and then we see. And once we see, we follow. We follow even when we do know where that way is going. Because while the next thing may be Palm Sunday and the triumphal entry, we know that the way of Jesus is going to the cross. You see, for us to follow Jesus will always mean going with him to the cross. And that way will always be filled with with uncertainty. That way will always be filled with, with taking up our own cross to go with him to Calvary. But it's by faith that we see that the way of his cross is better than any other way that we could go. Because by faith, we know that the way of the cross always means nearness to Jesus. It means always being sheltered by his love, no matter what else may come our way. It's by faith that we believe and see, and seeing we follow. We follow him even when that goes to the cross. Because by faith we know that the way of Jesus, while it goes through the cross, it does not end at the cross. The way of Jesus ultimately leads to the empty tomb. It leads to Easter. Believe in this Jesus. Entrust your entire life, entrust your worries and your fears and your anxieties, entrust all of your needs to this Jesus, and by faith in him, may you be able to see. May you see the world around you through the lens of your faith in Jesus. May your faith allow you to see God's goodness and his grace and his light in a world that is filled with darkness and evil. And because you see him, may you follow him wherever he may take you. Amen?